Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hey, welcome back. So today I want to take some time to talk about what are perhaps the top two storylines in uh, today's financial markets as we head into year, uh, year end, the end of, of December and the end of 2019. I know, I'm, I'm generally more of a silver and gold channel, although I, I do these types of videos, these types of episodes left and right. Um, oftentimes I do throw in there, you know, this is more all the more reason to get into silver and gold, and I probably will at the end of this one as well, but I do want to stay on track here. Uh, of course, all of this when it comes to the financial world, whether it's the Fed, the the trade talks, or or the the devolving of trade talks with China, or the currency, or whatever I talk about, the stock market, it, it all sort of brings me full circle back to silver and gold as being a necessary part of my own um, portfolio going forward. With that being said, I'm going to put it by the wayside today and stand topic here. These two storylines, I think, are far more linked. Than, than I think many of us realize. And that's sort of what I'm proposing today. Uh, these two storylines, of course, what I'm talking about here are the Federal Reserve and their ongoing support for financial markets through, through quantitative easing, through, through repo market operations, uh, and of course, interest rate cuts. And the other one being uh, the, the ongoing trade talks with China. I think these two are very much linked. And I think we can get some clues about what's going on in the future in terms of this trade deal through the Fed's recent actions. Most notably, that they're still supporting the market in incredible through incredible quantities of, of liquidity injections. In fact, since the Fed, uh, their balance sheet ultimately bottomed out earlier this year, it has since increased approximately $300 billion, $0.3 trillion dollars. You know, at the beginning of 2019, the Fed was still doing quantitative tightening, and they didn't actually stop that until, I want to say, sometime around September or August, reducing their balance sheet. And yet, here we are, you know, close to the middle of December, and they've already increased their balance sheet to the point where they've wiped out any sort of of roll-off of their balance sheet for the year 2019. They've completely erased that with the QE and the repo market operations, $300 billion dollars. And it's only increasing as they do more and more uh, not QE, which is actually just QE, $60 billion a month. In addition to that, the, the ECB is doing approximately $25 billion a month of QE. The Bank of Japan is doing $15 billion a month. Um, that's, that's essentially $100 billion a month total, not counting the Fed's repo market operations. When you average that out over an entire year, we're talking $1.2 trillion dollars. Uh, on a yearly pace that the central banks are injecting into the system. Now, I think there's two reasons for this. The first one is a little bit obvious. They're injecting it because they feel that it's necessary. There's some real concern among the Fed and other central banks that if this liquidity, if this money printing, let's just call it what it is, money in printing does not continue, then there are the, the, the financial system, the, the stock markets, um, and other very overvalued asset markets like uh, commercial bonds, 
uh, and, and a whole bunch of other ones um, that are related to, to either the stock market, um, over-indebted uh, corporations, uh, or, or just uh, uh, corporations that are continuing to receive loans when they shouldn't, um, all of those markets are going to come crashing down if this liquidity is not provided. I've said it before and I'll say it again, that the stock market and some of these other markets that I'm mentioning, including you know, CLO and other markets, they, they ultimately are, are a product of, of liquidity injections and, and credit growth. And that's been the case for over 10 years now, really going back to the uh, beginning or the middle of the financial crisis and, and, and all the Fed and government's uh, uh, contributions during that time. Credit growth, i.e. debt creation, and liquidity injections, i.e. Uh, quantitative easing and, and other open market operations. That's all it is really at this point. And that's sort of an obvious reason for why they continue to do this. I mean, never mind that the best, uh, best economy ever or, or a robust economy or, or whatever you want to call today's economy, whatever the pundits on CNBC or Bloomberg or, or the Trump pundits or whatever uh, Larry Kudlow and company call it, uh, this is an economy that's quite literally on life support. Now, I mean, literally, uh, it's figuratively. We're using a figure of speech here. Uh, we're, we're not actually talking about an IV drip and a ventilator, but it's essentially what you can consider these interest rate cuts, these chronically low interest rates, and this massive liquidity injection. And that's sort of an obvious reason for why this is taking place right now. But the other one, I think, is very much linked to the situation with China and the United States. It's been well publicized that Donald Trump and Jerome Powell have had many talks in the past. Trump is one of the most critical presidents of, of Jerome Powell in quite a while. Uh, for all this talk of a highly politicized Fed or the potential for it, uh, the Fed has been political for a very long time now. Trump even said it back during 2016 in his uh, um campaign you know the janet yellen and the fed are doing political things uh it's still a case today it was a case during the obama era bush uh, clinton whatever it's the, the fed is a very powerful tool for the white house or for whatever parties in power and i think that continues to be the case today jerome powell certainly seems to be um acting as if he is his own man that he's not going to be swayed by intimidation or threats or whatever by Donald Trump. And, and certainly I think that there's some truth to that, that Jerome Powell is not going to capitulate and send the Fed funds rate to zero or lower uh, for no reason, right? Or just because Trump wants him to. Same thing goes for, for massive amounts of QE, even greater than what we have right now. With that being said, the theory, and, and, and don't get me wrong, this is speculation, but this, what I am speculating, that what I'm theorizing in, in today's podcast is that there is a link between this, this situation with China and the trade deal or lack thereof and the Fed's ongoing support for the markets. That this goes deeper than just some year-end liquidity problems and repo market and whatnot. That's part of it, sure. I, I mean, that's, that could be the, the whole of it. But I think that there is an understanding between Trump and Powell uh, an understanding that basically states this, Trump is willing to uh, get his hands dirty. And, and I'll, I'll pause myself right here. If you're a Trump supporter, I imagine what I've said thus far would come off as very critical of Trump. If you're not a Trump supporter, you may very well think that I'm somehow supporting 
Trump at this point. I'm doing neither. I'm simply stating what, what I think is going to happen. I'm not a, a very partisan guy. I'm, I'm not Republican. I'm not Democrat. I'm not a Trump supporter. I'm not a Trump hater. Okay? Um, I'm, a, I'm a liberty, freedom-loving individual, and then I base my political views and my, my economic views off of just that. So with that being said, I think Trump at this point in the game in terms of this trade deal or trade talks, the, what I would call a, a worsening new Cold War with, with the East, and, and more so China this time than Russia, Trump's willing to get his hands dirty. He's, he's shown that time and time again with the escalations that he has made in this this uh, this uh, escapade with China, the the trade war that's been going on for uh, over a year and a half now, and I think we're going to find in about a week's time, less than that actually, next Sunday, December fifteenth. That's the first date I'm going to give you here to keep in mind. We're going to find out pretty quickly that he is uh, he's willing to do just that again. That is the day in which uh, the U.S. is potentially going to be imposing greater amounts of tariffs on Chinese goods. Over $100 billion worth of, of goods, of imports into the U.S., uh, 15% tariffs on. And I could be wrong here, okay? But I think that, that where we're at right now, uh, Trump and, and probably China are both frustrated by the lack of progress. Uh, but furthermore, I think Trump is somewhat emboldened, not only by the Fed and their willingness to support markets through this in, uh, liquidity injection, but also emboldened by... Decent economic numbers, which I think are faulty. They've been faulty for many, many years. Uh, they don't tell the whole story. But on the surface, markets like it. Markets like it when payroll data is relatively strong or inflation is not too high or GDP is still positive. And, of course, he has. I think he's been emboldened by the stock market, which is, has seen a very good um, second half. Of, of 2019. And I think we're going to see another escalation of the trade war come Sunday. And I think the Fed realizes that too. Not only realizes, but I won't be at all surprised if, if we're going to continue in this theory, this speculation that I'm, I'm putting out here, that Trump has communicated this with Powell. Something along the lines of, of look here, Jay, uh, this, this trade conflict with China is not over yet. It's likely to be getting escalated. I don't know Trump's endgame here, if he actually wants a full deal, if he's going to let this go through the 2020 election, if he wants to crash China's economy. I don't know. But I imagine it goes something along those lines. And, and Trump's basically saying, look, the markets are probably not going to like what I'm going to do here. You have an option here. Either you can support those markets and, and stay fairly popular, or uh, we can tie both of our fates to uh, the the a major drop in the stock market um, or rise. I mean, either way, they're tying their fate to that based on what happens next Sunday. Next Sunday being being that date of, of uh, imposition of, of a greater amount of tariffs. And so it'll be interesting to see where we're at Sunday and, and, and heading into Monday. Will the Fed budge on this? Or, or, or furthermore, not, not will the Fed budge on this, but will the Fed continue to support markets because of this? And I could be wrong here. I could be uh, totally off base. But I, I do think that there's more to this than just repo markets and just liquidity problems. I think that's a big part of the story. But, but I'll remind you all that there have been countless times over the last year and a half...
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply in which it looked like the stock market was heading for a major correction or a bear market. A good time would be about a year ago when stock markets were were continuing to drop in the last quarter of of 2019. It was looking bad. And and part of that was the Fed being overzealous with their their tightening of of monetary policy. But part of it was the ongoing problems with with China. Basically, uh, you you could say that, that Trump... And, and Powell have been playing a game of, of chicken here with, with the stock market held hostage, right? There's sort of a, a hostage in this, this game of chicken between these two, two vehicles, right? Uh, who's going to blink first, right? Is it going to be Trump and, and say that, look, we're, we're going to capitulate more or less to China. They're going to, he wouldn't paint it as this, but, but they're, they're going to get a better deal in this trade deal just for the sake of a trade deal. Or is Jay going to capitulate in the Fed and say, look, we're going to fire up the printing presses, uh, um, wipe off some of the cobwebs and the dust, fire them up and, and support this market uh, because if we don't, it's probably going to crash because of uh, what's going on with this trade deal. The Fed is, I think, blinked at this point. And, and again, I think that their fate is tied to the stock market at this point, Right. So as we head into year-end here, here's a couple days to keep an eye out. First of all, next Sunday, that's December 15th, the date in which the Fed, or sorry, uh, the U.S. government will be imposing a greater amount of tariffs. And I do think they will be. I could be wrong. We have a week here. To, markets are going to be moving up and down based on rumors and, and, and um, sources that don't want to be identified. You know all that, that, how that all goes, all that drama, right? But I think it's going to, to uh, go through next Sunday. The following day is another very key day that many people have a, an eye on. It's actually a day in which uh, the Federal Reserve is, uh, not the Fed, the Treasury is actually issuing uh, a large amount of debt onto the markets, $156 billion worth. Uh, these are going to be you know, some bills, some three-year notes, um, I think some longer-dated notes as well, uh, basically 10-year ones and 30-year ones. Uh, bills, uh, sorry, uh, uh, bonds, which will be uh, being you know issued onto the market on the 16th, and that's a ba- major drain on liquidity. When you have 150 plus 156 billion dollars of bonds that have to be bought by by banks, by investors, hedge funds, whoever it might be, uh, that requires dollars. And and right now, what this financial system needs is dollars for for the sake of of liquidity. The other day to keep an eye on is, of course, the end of the year, December 31st. That's, you know, as we head closer to the end of the year, that's when liquidity tends to be um, be pretty low. Uh, repo market rates sometimes spike on that day. And, and that would be the day to watch as well. Now, that very well could be the last thing on traders' minds come December 31st. Heck, even next week, uh, December 16th, if this trade deal continues to escalate. But I think it's going to continue to escalate. And part of it, I think, is, again, that Trump feels emboldened. But we have a lot of other hints that that's going to be the case. 
Um, uh, China is, is certainly not blinking in this uh, trade war right now. Um, they, they also sit in a very precarious position, but I don't think their markets have performed so poorly as to cause them to basically capitulate and to, to give into a, a deal that that the U.S. Uh, would would be getting the better uh, the better deal out of. I think both countries are in that position. Uh, they're emboldened by by uh, I think a fair bit of popular support, but also support by markets and, and their own respective central banks. Uh, furthermore, I, I think what's going on right now in the Korean Peninsula plays into plays into this as well. Uh, Kim Jong Un has uh, recently warned that he, uh, he'll have a Christmas gift for the United States. Uh, North Korea has basically self-imposed a, a date to, to work out some of these, these issues with the U.S. Uh, in terms of, of uh, removing sanctions, uh, to some extent demilitarizing uh, the Korean Peninsula and, and carrying out fewer military exercises and whatnot. And on the Korean side of things, uh, scale back or, or eliminate their nuclear and, and their missile program. That's sort of their, their deadline for the end of the year. And he's said, hey, we, we'll have a gift for you. Now, that gift could be great, you know, if, if Trump were to act. There's no signs that he's going to, though, which means I think by year end, we're going to have a, a major event out of North Korea. I'm not talking a full-blown war necessarily, but, but probably an ICBM launch. Uh, or another nuclear test, or both, uh, and and that is not at all isolated from what's going on with China. Uh, North Korea has been described as as their guard dog, but if whatever you want to call North Korea to China, China is definitely North Korea's handler. Um, North Korea is maybe to some extent a rogue regime, but but they don't do anything for the most part. I think without China's blessing, and if they were to to carry out a major test nuclear or, or missile uh, test, that would be a signal that, that China is basically saying, look, go ahead and do this because it's, you know, we're not worried about further damaging uh, U.S.-China relations right now. That's where we're heading, I think, uh, into year-end. And that's, you know, further, I think, solidifying my view that, that this trade deal is not going to get worked out in December 15, by December 15th, uh, perhaps ever. And I think the Fed is tied to this as well. I think the Fed is, is there to, to soften the blow. Markets are going to be down when tariffs go up, most likely, right? But markets are going to uh, maybe not go down quite as much if the Fed is continuing to support it in, in the realm of, of $300-plus billion dollars, um, through their repo market operations and through their quantitative easing. So something to keep an eye on. Again, this is speculation, pure speculation, but... Um, the fact that the Fed continues to ramp up re- repo market operations, the fact that uh, financial institutions continue to have demand for that short-term liquidity through uh, using the, the Fed basically as a repo facility, the fact that North Korea continues to escalate, the fact that China and the U.S. are, are not moving closer to a trade deal despite headlines we saw last week and the week prior and the week before that 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 and on and on and on. I think is all telling me that this is going to get much, much worse before it ever, ever gets better, if it ultimately ever does get better. I'd love to hear your thoughts on this. Let me know down below in the comment section. Shoot me an email if you want at w23mad at gmail.com. Don't ask why that's my email. Silver Fortune would be a way better and easier to remember email address, but that's what I use. So uh, shoot me an email there. Otherwise, um, 
I hope you enjoyed this 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 podcast today. I hope this has has sparked your interest. Of course, we know the end game to all this. I don't know what Trump or China or f- the Fed's end game is, what, what they envision happening here. But I can tell you what the end game is going to be if we continue on this path of 60 plus billion dollars worth of, of liquidity injections a month. It's it, it starts with an I. And, and it ends in inflation. Uh, that's that's a terrible it starts with an IN and it ends with inflation. Okay. It's inflationary, right? It's uh, devaluing of the dollar, right? It's pumping greater and greater amount of drugs into the system of an addict that is, I think, dangerously close to, to overdosing. And, and that's something to stay tuned for in the future. I'm going to have a podcast coming out fairly soon talking about just that, inflation and why it's much higher than we realize, not just based on some crackpot conspiracy theorists or, or my own gas station and, and their prices for, for, I don't know, mini donuts and then Mountain Dew or something like that. That, that. That's like the go-to snack for like my wife or something like that. That's why I use that example. But on some hard data, some real hard data that the government, I think, honestly, does not want you to see. So stay tuned for that. As always, thank you from the bottom of my heart for tuning into today's episode. And God bless.